what it is, RJLA family. I am Angela Birdsong, your conversation piece host on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call at RadioJustice.org, where something new or unusual to talk about for stimulating conversation for you on the bus, train, plane, or simply at the water cooler or in Cubicle Nation. Today on Conversation Piece, joining me as my co-host is one of my sisters, Heather Coleman, which is how I met today's guest, award-winning singer, music producer, entrepreneur, Ali Gabriel, who has accumulated over 20 million streams on Spotify and topped the radio charts in Europe. Ali Gabriel is much more than a musician as he shares his journey of leaving a six-figure sales job to pursue his dreams in the entertainment industry. Welcome to Conversation Peace. Ali Gabriel, welcome to Conversation Peace. Hey, thanks for having me. I know, it's been a long time trying to get you here. You are a busy man. Oh, well, you know duty calls <laughs> right right so right right so i understand that you were in europe recently uh yeah recently uh, the last few months i've uh, been in europe also australia um so a lot of a lot of work been going on and uh just released a record in australia with Panal, uh this dance group there that's uh taking over the charts so uh it's been busy what's the name of that song uh that, that song is called all of us we actually just released the music video for it Go check it out. Uh, it's called All of Us. Uh, it's uh, it's Panal featuring Ali Gabriel. And uh, it's, it's a great music video. It's uh, my first time on the dance charts. So to continue to expand my, my genres. Spell Panal for us. It's uh, P-N-A-U. P-A-N-U. The because P-N. I'm a little dyslexic. Yeah, I, <laughs> I feel you. Right, so because we know that when people are listening to us, they're interactively listening, going on their smart devices and what have you. So you guys can pull that up yeah. and have the video in queue on our on our upcoming break or when we're finished with the show. What else were you doing? So you went there. Did you record it there, or were you promoting? No, it? we were there. We did in Australia. I just did a, a YouTube event for the Arias, which is like the Australia's Grammy Awards, and uh, and so the group that uh, I'm, I, I did four songs on their album. So uh, we have another single coming out at the top of the year. Uh, they're one of the biggest groups in Australia uh, in dance music. They've been around for like twenty years, and. Um, so very well known. So we, I'm actually getting ready to go back for tour, uh, in a few weeks there as we'll be headlining a few tours, a few, few dates. Congratulations. Thank you. It's exciting. That it's exciting. sounds very exciting. Yeah. It's exciting. It's, it's crazy because, uh, I completely manifested Australia when I was in Europe and, and Running Man was a hit in Germany when I was out there. I was saying that the next place I want to go to as a territory, uh, outside of the U.S. was Australia. Before I'd even um, gone to Australia for the first time. And uh, so it's just funny now, a few years later, to see how that all came about full circle, you know. How do they find you? Uh, we actually were on vacation in Australia because uh, we have some friends here in L.A. that are from Australia. So we took a trip to Australia and um, 
a friend of mine invited me to a a meeting that he had uh, while we were there in Sydney, and um, someone at that w- w- the a girl basically a cousin of one of the guys in the group uh, worked at that place that we went to. It was a it was a VR company that uh, I was we were checking out some new technology, and uh, we got in. So that's where I met I met the cousin of uh, Nick, who's uh, the the head of uh, Empire of the Sun as well as uh, Panal, and um, we just hit it off. She came and when she came to L.A. She came and saw some shows of mine uh, here in L.A. It was like blown away. It was like, oh, you guys definitely got to meet. You would love each other, make some music. And it took a little while. And, and then um, we finally ended up meeting and we got in the studio and made a bunch of songs together. Wow, that is because I, I know once they see you on stage <laughs> doing doing your thing. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. You. Right. Because I, I saw you. I, I'm only I'm only seeing you perform once, but I feel like I've seen you perform for a lot of time. Really? <laughs> and and that, that, that's just how powerful your performance is on stage. Oh, oh, thank you so because much. Because it, it really connects. And I know you said on your website that you pick songs to connect to your audience yeah and it's more than just a concert but it's a you're impacting us with a storytelling yeah also. yeah i think music is a uh, a vessel for uh, a message right and um i think it's it's important when you're performing i like to see performers that are authentic the people that i grew up you know idolizing and and really looking up to as performers you just it was they weren't just singing songs they were they were creating this whole aura around them and this whole environment around the around the music and um you know i I just pray that i'm able to impact people in that same way you have now so so i guess the the natural question now would be who are these people that that you were looking up to and have motivated you in your career oh man for me it's it's really it's really a lot i had a very diverse musical upbringing uh but i would say the the main ones of course michael jackson um you know i remember just seeing um michael jackson concerts on tv and seeing people like falling out and <laughs> get carried out of stretches and i was like ah, i want to make people fall out like that one day <laughs> <laughs> i'm still waiting on that that hasn't happened yet but uh <laughs> which is a good thing uh but um outside of michael jackson um i, I grew up on a lot of like uh, southern blues and soul so people like uh johnny taylor and you know curtis mayfield um james brown uh you know those are from like the soul the soul parts i also have a lot of big uh, rock influences i was really uh into elton john and um you know the eagles and Aerosmith. i loved in high school um so uh, and then also country music. I was a huge Garth Brooks fan. You know, growing up Southwest Louisiana, like so, I really listened to. I had a lot of influences because you know I'm from a obviously a black family. In I grew up in the country, so that's where you know the the, the country roots come from. But I went to like an all white school, um, so that's where I got exposed to like the rock music. And I was in all these different bands jazz band concert band so i just got exposed to a lot of different music and i so i appreciated a lot of different kinds of music i hear you because that's you you know coming from i guess post civil rights that we're able to fully embrace 
all the different types of music. And then you said you're genreless, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, to me, music it's about um, it's about the message, and sometimes depending on who the audience is, you know that you gotta that message has to be put across in a in a different way. It's kind of like conversation, right? You know, you could say some things to one person one kind of way. But another person might need that delivered in a different kind of way. So that's how I kind of look at genres. It's like it's just all music. So if I feel it, if I can connect with the person, you know, I don't care if it's reggae or whatever. Now, you left a six-figure sales position. And I, now we, I, I know why, right, yeah. because of where you are right now. But you didn't know this was going to be happening. But... What was it that was in you where you said, I, I'm not the sales guy. I need to pursue this music career. So for me, my music career has always been, it's always been the dream, right? So when um, I first came to L.A., I had a record deal. Record deal after two years, we parted ways or whatever. So then I got into the sales force. Long story short. No, we don't want short stories. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, short story long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> short story long. Uh, I started working in, in sales and like I, I had to find a way to stay in L.A. So it was my first time really having a job um, because I was in the Army and then I got a record deal while I was in the Army. So I never really worked uh, uh, like a real job. And I found out that I was good at at sales and I started off just sell, you know telemarketing and things like that and after a few sales jobs because I was like kind of finding okay what do I like you know and um, after a few sales jobs I ended up at this internet marketing company um, and where it was my first time selling high ticket items so you know the average package was like $10,000 on up so from like ten to $25,000 was like where we where we lived and um, you know, when I started out, I was just a telemarketer. Um, and then I started, I became the top salesman. So I started making 30%, uh, plus residuals. And it, um, it changed my life in a lot of ways. Cause it was my first time where, you know, I was making sometime four grand a week and, um, it, it was cool, but that was never really my goal, um, going in. And what made me really decide to move away from it because I saw, one, I started to gain a lot of weight, and I was like, I, 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 I looked in the mirror one day, and I was like, dang. I was like, because I've been making all this money, so I was like just eating out and, you know, and, and just kind of wilding out a lot. You know what I mean? I was, at that time, I was in, like, my early 20s. So I was, uh, you know, I was partying a lot and, like, buying bottle service a few times a week and stuff and, you know, just having fun. But I felt myself moving away from what I thought my destiny was or what, you know, what I thought I was really capable of. And, um, during that time though, it was great because at that, at that job, the guy in the office next to me, uh, he was the guy that really opened my mind up to music licensing because before then I was actually during that period, I was really kind of jaded about the music industry because I felt like, uh, you know, this, I lost, you know, record deal that didn't work out. And I just, I kind of put it on the on the back burner. I wasn't even thinking about music because in my mind, I was thinking the only way to really make it in the music industry is if I had a record deal. And then one day, uh, his name was Rich, and uh, he, he was like, yo, Ollie, check this out. Um, like, I just got this check from Fox, and it was like $3,000. And um, I was like, yo, what, you know, what, what what's this? He's like, yeah, I did this, this music for them a while back, whatever, and it's my, my, my royalty check. So I was like, oh, tell me more. 
You know what I mean? So uh, he started telling me about like licensing and how he, he had made all these libraries and how different companies were licensing his music. Just, you know, on a side note, like it's a part-time thing. You know, he was full-time sales. And uh, once I found that out, I started to look into it more. And um, at the time, I um, I had a business partner because we were still making, still, still making music. And I just kind of doubled down on it. And slowly but surely, I stopped spending time in the office. Like the way my job was, I was, I was my own boss. So I just kind of started just to live off my residuals because I brought in so many clients that, uh, you know, first few years. And uh, I stopped really putting in the time and started to transition my way to just being in the studio full time. And uh, it worked out, you know, looking back. Uh, there was definitely some time after that once that all dried up and I was still climbing the ladder you know in terms of music uh it was definitely some rough patches uh, but it was a, it was a good decision because i think whatever you do you have to be happy doing it you know it's not about the money um so for me sales as as good as it was it didn't really light me up the way you know making music and doing what i wanted to do did and part of that journey you face homelessness in los angeles yeah that came actually before that when i left uh my record deal um in 2007 i, I had nowhere to go like I, I had no family here i was living with my producers at the time and um it took about two weeks for me to actually tell somebody i was sleeping in my car and uh i told a friend and uh and i ended up so i mean i don't want to play it up like i, I was like you know homeless for forever but you know two weeks like you know i was sleeping i was bathing at the gym and like you know i had all my stuff in my little car and i'm just like park out i drive out to malibu and i was just trying to figure it out and uh and my mom was calling me um and i was like you know oh what, what you're doing you like, oh i'm in the studio you know what i mean but i was like i i, I didn't know what i was gonna do and uh, I ended up staying with a friend once I told him. He was like, oh, man, come stay with me and my mom and stuff. And he talked to his mom, this Armenian family in uh, in the valley. And uh, and I stayed with them for about two months before I got my first job uh, as, a, as a telemarketer. And then I was able to uh, save up enough money. And I started renting a room in Chatsworth for like $500 a week. <laughs> but it was crazy. Yeah, for a room, I was paying like $500 a week. So it was like literally like at that time, like. 80% of my check. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it was hard. Welcome to L.A. Yeah, it, it was hard coming out of that for a while. It, I was struggling. Yeah, that's right. You, yeah, you know, and just to um, just to um, just digress slightly, being homeless and living in your car, that is part of what is not counted when we talk about the homeless count mm. and in L.A. County. And oh, they're talking yeah. about, six, six, you know, so over 60,000 people are homeless. They're not counting people who are living in, in, their, car. in their car. So we know yeah. number is a much, much more higher. But two weeks, one week, whatever, yeah. that has to play heavily on your mentality. For but sure. you you continue pushing. I just knew I just knew that I hadn't came all the way out to california i just looked at my life you know i'd been activated to go to iraq two times and i didn't i didn't end up going you know uh, just by the grace of god and I, I signed a record deal while i was in the army and i just i just looked at my life and i was like um this ain't for nothing you know what i mean like i haven't come all this way for nothing so 
and I just thought about, you know, what my mom would always tell me, just like, you know, you just go for it. Like, don't give up. And um, I, I refused to go back home and, and to, you know, say, oh, I tried and it didn't work. Well, you you mentioned your mother. And I had the pleasure of meeting your mother and your grandmother oh. at the Sayers Club when you had a performance sneak peek for your upcoming album. And your mother, um, she said that she, she saw that you had a talent since you was six years old. Yeah, she did say that. <laughs> right, right. So when you went into the sales job and you were in the Army, you said that music thing was always in you. So when you were in the Army, were you performing when you were in the Army? No, no, no. I was shining boots and doing other stuff. <laughs> um, no, no, I wasn't. I just, I was just a grunt. And, uh, you know, uh, I was a supply guy in the army. So no, I wasn't performing. I wasn't like in the army band or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, it was still, it was always a dream. It's been something. So I was always writing. I would, when I, when we had our times off, you know, I'd take my little notepad, bring my boots and I was writing raps. And cause when I started off, I was actually rapping a lot more than singing. Um, so yeah, I was still making music and, and I was the guy in the barracks that, you know, they used to call me the beat man because I would, be knocking on the you know we after we come back from our little training or whatever we go in the bathroom all the guys you know it's like a like a frat kind of you know and we're we're taking turns freestyling and i'm making the beats and beatboxing and so people knew i had the you know the musical talent you know everywhere all growing up and you also say you're a multi-instrumentalist yeah, my, <laughs> that that was your question. That was my question. <laughs> <laughs> That's my co-host Heather Coleman. She's sitting over here, quiet and being shy. This is my sister, you guys, and she is not shy. No, so I I don't <laughs> even I don't even know why she's fronting right now. No, no, no. But my question is, is at what point did you realize like the different instruments that you can play? Were you are you self-taught? Like, how did you learn how to play? What instruments do you play, and how did you learn how to play them? So my, uh, I've just always been curious with instruments. I was, I just like sound. So I remember, uh, my first instrument I learned how to play. I started playing music in like the fourth grade. Uh, trombone was actually my first instrument. Oh, wow. And I wanted to play the saxophone, but when we went to the music store, the saxophone was like $2,000 and the trombone was like 700. So my mama was like, you gonna play this trombone. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's how I ended up playing trombone, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, and but from that, from from playing trombone, it was a great thing because it gave me a great ear. Trombone is one of those instruments where it's not a valve instrument, so it's the whole it slides. So it's all it's all about ear, and the the tone is constantly changing depending on, um, how, you know, it because it's metal, so your 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 horn is expanding and contracting. So, you know, in the morning one note may be second position but in the afternoon that note may be third position or something so you just always have to ear so i really train my ear um um and then piano has been something that i've always been into as well i've just kind of been one of those guys that uh as a musician just band room was my favorite place to be like actually my band director gave me a key to the band room that I got asked them when I was in in uh, in high school, so I was the only one with a key to the band room. I, so I would go to the band room when I got off the bus in the morning because I was like, man, I just don't like hanging out in the gym with everybody else. I'd rather be in the band room playing piano or you know writing. And and he saw that in me, um, and he gave me a key to the band room. So I just experiment. I play the drums. I play 
but I'm self-taught except on um, on trombone and stuff. I mean, I took I took music all through high school, so I know how to read music and you know I can I can write music. It's not something that I do on a day to day basis, um, but uh, I never took piano lessons or anything. I just kind of just taught myself. So in total, what instruments do we have? Trombone, piano. Trombone, uh, piano, uh, brass, uh, tuba. I marched tuba for like s- seven years, uh, wow. sousaphone, uh, and concert tuba. Um, uh, I, I call myself a, a producer, guitarist, and, and drummer as well. Like, you know, I've got great rhythm, percussion. Uh, I'm not, you know, touring with people as that musician so i never call myself but as a producer i can write a song i can you know i can get around on it i know enough about how all the instruments work together to where um you know where i can make it happen all right well we'll get more into ali gabriel and of course we got to get into nbc songland and with that song something new but first, <laughs> yes, but yeah, it is a beautiful song in oh, the video. So oh, yes, the video, gorgeous, with the two elderly couple slow dancing and fast dancing with their shoes off and everything. <laughs> um, I am your host, Angela Birdsong, with my guest, co-host, Heather Coleman, and you are listening to Conversation Piece. Stay tuned for more with Ali Gabriel, named by Music Connection Magazine for two years in a row, as one of the top independent artists to see live. Electrifying performance. You got to see them live. We'll be right back. His journey of serving in the Army, leaving a six-figure sales job, being homeless in L.A. to pursue his dreams in the entertainment industry. Welcome back to Conversation Piece. I'm your host, Angela Birdsong, with our guest singer, songwriter, producer, Ali Gabriel, and my co-host, Heather Coleman. Heather, you have some questions that's been burning inside of you. Come on. (laughs) All right, Ali. So... Um, one of my questions for you is like, who do you want to collaborate with? But before you answer that, I saw on your website, like you choose not to sing, listen, or collaborate on music with unnecessary destructive themes that have become commonplace in today's mainstream music. So elaborate on that and then tell us who would you like to collaborate with? Ah, well, what I mean by that is, um, you know, I, I look at music as a, it's a tool. It's um, and it's very powerful. I think it's more powerful than people give it credit for. Um, and I think that a lot of music today is is 
is used uh, in a way, maybe unknowingly to the people that are making it. But, you know, I think that the people uh, that that market the music and a lot of times, uh, you know, music shapes society. So I, I really think that, you know, it's not coincidence, especially when you look at urban music, you know, as a black man. Um, it's so the narrative is just keeps it's, it's the same and it's if you just look at what the narrative is and all the music and and if you look at what music was like in the 60s and the 70s and how that music shaped society right and and you know how songs like you know say it loud i'm black and i'm proud or you know like how it not it it it, it that shaped you know and, and really helped propel the civil rights movement and and it and so many other examples, even just from a love aspect, how there was so many, you know, R&B acts and just like, you know, love and, and just the way men respected women um, in the music. Uh, and then you, you take it back now to 2019. Um, I think the big difference in, in culture from then to now is a large part of that is due to the media, to, to music, mm. um, because I think music is so subconscious whether you think now you can listen to music and be like, Oh, I like the song. And yeah, like I'm not going to, you know, go kill somebody, whatever. But at the same time, um, on a subconscious level, like music taps into like your identity. So the music you listen to, it, it generally forms your identity. And, and I, I, um, um, I, learn this and believe this because of like my I've done a lot of research in like neuroscience and, and NLP and just understanding subconscious programming and, 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 and conscious mind. So because of that and also my, and, and my spiritual beliefs align with that too as well. Um, so because of that, I am a lot more conscious about the music that I listen to. Mm. Um, you know, I used to love listening to gangster rap in the gym. Like it was like the, and I felt like, man, and it was the only time I did it, even when I knew this, but I was like, man, I just need that, like mm -hmm. that, you know, that 50, you know, <laughs> to, to get me going. And it's like, it's nothing against that, but it's like now, uh, you know, I started, I was like, well, I, 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 I just, I couldn't tune out the messaging, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, right. like the beat is good, but it's like, all I'm hearing is about like you killing somebody that you know look like you today i didn't have to use my ak <laughs> yeah you know what i mean it's like it's yeah. just it just it just it just kind of puts you in a different mode and if i'm honest with myself you know when i started to try to go the street route when i was a kid it was the music like if i if i never would have started listening to gangster rap i probably never would have started selling weed and and you know got arrested and like i never would have I never would have did a lot of things I did if it wasn't for the music I was listening to. That's just, and I had to just be honest with myself about that. So with that being said, uh, that's not a lot of people that, uh, in, in, in the urban world really that, uh, I feel like I collab would want to collaborate with one uh, from, uh, from a rapping standpoint. Right. Okay. Um, chance the rapper, uh, I, I, I like, I like him. I like DJ Khaled too as well. Um, that grateful album. I thought was really cool. You know, it's not about being preachy or like super like positive. Look, I'm not a saint, right? But it's just about having like some responsibility and understanding that when you put a message out and millions of people are hearing it, that it's going to affect more than just 
you know, people dancing to it or whatever. Like you got some kid out there that's that's looking at you or listening to you and saying, oh, you know, if you're saying if this is what worked for you, then I'm going to go do the same thing. Nice. You know what I mean? Or, that's what's cool. So I'm going to dress like that. I'm going to do this. And it's, and, and I think when people deny that or try to say, well, it's just art or whatever, I think they, they just don't want to accept the responsibility for what really this position as a musician is. Nice. And that, that leads into, and I, you know, I know during the pre-interview, I said that we weren't going to delve into the creator life experience, which is your trademark of, but you, when you, we just talking, you said that on, on your website, you were talking about that you want to give the audience a better awareness of themselves. And as you and Heather were talking about, these destructive themes, these destructive lyrics, and how they enter your ear gate, you have to be so careful with that because then it starts to speak to your soul, and then you start to act these things out. How did you get led to the creator experience? And some kind of way we got to bring in NBC Songland because we don't want to leave that out with the something new because because this, cause NBC Songland, cause I never seen the show mm-hmm. until I had to research you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's when I found out that it's a competition for songwriting. Mm-hmm. And you're writing a song for one of the judges up there, John Legend, which means that you're right. So you're writing these songs based on who you are today bringing awareness to the audience making sure that everybody is having this positive thought process so how did you get to the creator um, experience and did that lead to something new so so i just um the way i got to that is is as i have been pursuing my music career you know, my whole life. This is I've all, always wanted to do this. So, you know, I've literally just been focused on one thing my entire life. And um I've had highs and lows. I've had points of success and points of, you know, where it, I didn't feel successful at all. And for a long time, um, you know, I attached my um happiness and my worth to my career. Um and at some point that became unsustainable. And then I started to look more within and realize that, um, I didn't truly have a good, um, understanding. I wanted to know why I wanted to know why do, do I feel a certain way? Why do I do certain things? Like I I wanted to basically, um, um, you know, hack my behavior patterns because I looked at one point in life and I was like, okay, well this is, this is like this keeps coming up, right? And um I was led to uh NLP and um really just understanding the subconscious and the science of mind and um that became more of a spiritual belief in a lot of ways, um and a spiritual like practice of understanding myself as um as a as a oneness with god as so, you know versus as a separation um and 
and, and once I cross that um, threshold of belief, then um, it just became about being a truth. I have to be true to like really what I believe. So, you know, in the in the sense of if I believe that I'm spirit in you know in a man's body, but I I understand that there's two dimensions. There's there's multiple dimensions to you know to everything, and so many people operate in just one dimension. You know, they think reality is only what they can see, touch, feel, smell. Like if you if, and that's it, and they don't look at themselves as spirit beings um and that to me is what creator life experience is about because i think when you start to look at yourself um as spirit being and and really really understand um the power of what that is it'll give you uh at least stay with me so much more clarity and power and belief in what i'm capable of and and um and it makes everything else seem much smaller because now you're talking on a whole nother level. You're not talking about, you know, physical. It's not about awards or being on the radio or whatever. It's just like, okay, what is my, what's my purpose here as, uh, you know, as, as a spirit, what am I sent in this body to do? Um, so then, so then I got more focused on, okay. And asking myself, okay, what's, what's the impact I want to make? Like what's, what's really my purpose. It's not to be on the radio. It's not, you know, that's a means to, implement the purpose but that's not that's not what it's about that's not the end all right so when i started asking myself that then i just started to think about okay well based on my um my credibility and my my passion right what i really enjoy what lights me up um and the way i've impacted people so far i know that music or entertainment has to be a part of that um and 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 so I was like, okay, well, I want to make music that inspires, that motivates, that makes people feel good, you know. And it may not necessarily be all like, you know, every song's not going to be Running Man where it's like, you know, go chase your dreams. But even if it's like a club song or whatever, like, it's it's going to make you feel good and empowered. You know what I mean? It's not it's not going to be um, destructive. And, um, you know, so that that's a part of the that's a part of the mission so that's how i came up with like create a life experience because i was like i want to show people how to realize that they're the creators of their life like they they are not just their circumstances they're not just you know uh, what they were born into how much money they have that they have the power based on their belief system um in, in, in creating that life that they want uh, around them. And uh, I think it starts with identifying yourself um, not just as a, you, you know, with your name, I'm, I'm this. You know, you ask most people, like, who are you? They're going to tell you, like, what they do. You know what I mean? So that's, like, a big problem, um, I think, subconsciously, because we identify ourselves with things that are not real, that we give value to. You know, that are really, they're, they're not real. Um, so when you start to identify yourself on a spirit level, then you can just, the whole, your whole perspective of everything just really changes. So that's what Creator Life Experience is all about. That's powerful. That's powerful. I like that. Thank like you. That. that was the long answer. No. no yeah. I, yeah. We, we, we always want the long answer here. Something new. Mm-hmm. So. What le- what 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 led you to write that story? 
so something new uh was premiered on the NBC show Songland. Um and before I even knew about Songland, I'd actually written uh, most of what you hear in, in, in something new. Uh, obviously, when I went on the show, for, for those of you who've seen the show, uh, you know, there were a few tweaks that were made from the original to the one that I actually ended up putting out. Um, but the inspiration in the, the meat potatoes were, was already um, was already there. I was actually in the studio. I was having a session uh, with this one producer and um he wasn't there he was he 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 uh he was late and another guy was there and so me and the other guy are just talking while 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 uh while I'm waiting for this other producer to come and um as we're talking he's playing on the piano you know playing come going over some little you know just kind of just we're talking about whatever and he's just kind of riffing on some stuff and he uh came across he was playing something i was like wait 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 i was like do that again like like play that loop again i was like do that and i was like and it just that's how music comes to me like i'll just hear i'll just know when it's right like i can like hear the song in the air so i just heard this this uh the um just the just the riff and i and i started um and they were just you know basic chords but i just felt it felt like in the pattern that he's playing it felt like uh it felt like a song to me, and I was like, "Oh, just keep doing that." So we recorded that that loop, and um, uh, I said that when I went in, I wanted to make a song that was like a like a timeless kind of love song, right? And uh, I had been listening to like a lot of like Otis Redding and stuff like that, and um, it just came out. The song the song came out probably in like. I don't know, 30 minutes maybe um, in, in, in writing it, which is usually when most songs that I write that uh, so far, like all the songs that I've put out that have been like successful or like they're all written within like under an hour. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I recorded it and that was way before I even knew about Songland. And it's the funny thing about that is that day in the studio after I recorded it, I said to myself, I said, wow, this is like a great song. I said, if I don't put this song out, the only person I can hear doing this song is John Legend. So just the manifestation of that. Like, I I literally said that into existence before I even knew Songland was a show. And in December of that year, um, I got an email from my lawyer uh, asking me if I would be interested in doing this show. Uh, because these shows, you know, they 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 recruit a lot of time from within the industry. So I get emails from The Voice. I could have been on The Voice a bunch of times, but I never wanted to do one of those shows because of one, um, just the whole competition aspect of it. Um, and it's rare that for as if that it really boosts your career um, in, in terms of because a lot of times you get pigeonholed as oh you're you were on the voice so it's it could kind of be the end of it you know what i mean because people kind of look at you now as like a competition singer right um and the contracts are horrible um so so i never wanted to be on 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 one of those shows but when i got the offer for this one it was a new show and i was like okay well if the contracts aren't jacked up like i'm not gonna call no names out uh but if it's not jacked up like that uh then i'll i'll do it and um, it turned out because it, I guess it was their first. It's the first season, so the contracts were actually really fair. It was good. Something I was able to to 
to uh to deal with so i was like oh this is good and you know um so i ended up on the show i didn't know john legend was going to be on my episode actually i submitted like five songs and um there were other songs that i thought they were going to want to put on and so i didn't actually find out that john legend was going to be uh on the show until the show came out in may maybe like january or february before he even came into the mix because he wasn't on the first mix for the songs that I submitted. He wasn't in. And, uh, when, when I, when they asked me, Hey, do you have anything for John legend? I said, ah, well, there's this one song that I was actually getting ready to put out myself. Um, a few weeks later, I was going to release something new, uh, myself. I was like, but if you guys like this song, if he likes it, then, you know, we can use this one, which was better for me because, uh, it was I, you know, I wrote, I'd written the song myself, so I had the less, least amount of uh, collaborators on it. Um, so yeah, that's the song they ended up going with. John Legend didn't pick the song, which was great. It was oh no, that was wrong of him. You should have won that competition. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that you should have won for that night. But I, I know, I know, you know, the thing is though, actually going in, I didn't want to win the show because for me it was like really. I, I felt like I won the show just by, I just wanted them to put me on TV. I was like, if y'all put me on TV and I do my thing, I'm going to be able to. Uh, but the best thing that ever happened was really me, him not picking the song because mm. had he picked the song, it I wouldn't have been able to put it out myself. So because I put it out, it was, a, you know, we reached the billboard uh, all the way up to, I think, number 35. Congratulations. Uh, 34 on billboard. Thank you. Uh, independently and uh, one of the most played songs on uh Heart and Soul, Serious uh, XM. So none of that would have happened if John Legend would have, because they would have, you know, you saw what they did with the song that won. They'd have shot a little video for it, put it out one time, and that'd have been the end of it. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like they really pushed those songs, and I knew that going in, like, okay, this is probably not going to be like their single single that, you know, they're pushing on the radio. All right, we'll get back to more of your songwriting and wonderful story right how just how god's spirit will put you where you need to be and speak into you before you even know you know what's going to happen so yeah you already won (laughs) right in a whole different different level i'm angela birdsong and you are listening to conversation piece we'll be right back with more from multi-instrumentalist, songer, s- singer-songwriter, songer. I just made up a word. I like yes, that I like that. Yes. <laughs> Singer-songwriter, Ali Gabriel. Swimming the dice, and I can't stay alive. If I can't dance tonight, if I can't lose my mind and leave those strands of time, then I can't stay alive. Yeah. If the shark stops swimming the dice, and I can't stay alive. If I can't dance tonight, if I can't lose my mind and leave those strands of time, then I can't stay alive. Gotta move on in till your body's here. Let my arms extend till the warmest skin. Gotta move on in till your body's 
Ali Gabriel's music has been featured in hit TV shows like Grey's Anatomy, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Love and Hip Hop, and many others on major networks like MTV, ABC, Fox, NBC, and BET. Welcome back to Conversation Piece. I'm your host, Angela Birdsong, with guest co-host, Heather Coleman, and of course, our wonderful, amazing, phenomenal guest, Songer, <laughs> Ali Gabriel. Thank you so much. Yes, it's it's such a pleasure of having having you here. My pleasure. Now, what is happening with you next? So right now, for me, um, it's been a very very exciting 2019. Um, so I'm just gearing up for 2020. Um, um, I have a record out right now with this group in Australia, Penal, uh, which is doing really well. It's the top dance song in the country, uh, most played on the, on the biggest station there. And, um, the single's called all of us. Uh, we just released a video. Um, the video got over a million views in, in 24 hours. Um, and it was a super cool video to shoot. And, um, the next single is going to be coming out, uh, in January that I did with them. Um, so that's exciting because I've been traveling a lot down under, uh, headed there again in a few weeks. And um, aside from my work there in Australia, uh, I'm working on finishing my EP, um, which will be coming out uh, at the top of the year. It'll be done at the end of the year. And um, and I'm also just working on, you know, how to how to be more impactful in, in putting together some really exciting programs and um, on creativity and um, you know you're finding your true self and that's really where this next chapter for me in 2020 is 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 using everything I've done in music and to really um, help me to trans not transition completely because I'll still be making music but you know I, I really want to be more about the mission more about the impact and you know, um, and, and really like education. I feel like I have a heart for teaching and, and like education. And, um, I started a book. Um, the goal is to have like a manuscript done by the end of the year. So I've been writing and, um, so yeah, I'm I'm staying busy. (laughs) That's awesome. Ollie. That's so awesome. So, um, right now I'm on a social media cleanse, so I I haven't been on social media in about three months. That's good. I realized like how, destructive sometimes it can be and unhealthy it can be but to prepare for today's um interview i did have to go on (laughs) so i saw a picture recently that you posted and you wrote when writing the story of your life don't let anyone else hold the pen so with that said like what how do you manage your brand and like not letting someone else control what image is put out there like is that all you or do you have like a marketing team behind it no it's all it's all it's all me when it comes to that um to me that statement what that means is that you have to define yourself like you have to define what success looks like to you and uh, so many times and you know i just know from being in the music industry that you it's very easy to fall into the box of like okay you're not successful unless you got this 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 right um and it kind of goes back to the creator life experience. Like when 
now as I look at myself and I don't see myself as just, you know, a black man or just a singer or you just, you know, an American, like I'm not identifying myself with these, um, these labels. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I'm identifying myself as, you know, as a spirit here in this body to do something, you know, from the source. So that, that means that I can define myself. That means that, um, I'm here for a purpose. And so whatever a man would tell me, Oh, you're this or you're that I'm, I'm, I'm operating on a higher level. You're not letting anybody pigeonhole you. I'm not exactly. So Mm -hmm. I really think that people, um, you can't be whatever you want to be. It doesn't mean you could just think it and you're going to be it, but it's when you decide who you are, then as long as that influences your actions, then you can move in that direction. And, and that's what it's going to be. So that's what that statement, Mr. Mead means. Cause people have said, Oh, you know, well you're this, or, you know, even before I was in the music industry, it's like, Oh, you can't do that. Like you can't, you go to California. You don't know nobody out there. How are you going to make it out there? Like, how are you going to, do this and then when i wanted to start doing speaking oh no you can't speak man because you got to do this and people are not going to get you know i've had i have people try to say like i can't i can't go and speak or i can't you know want to be an author i have to do this first or whatever and then you know you believe that stuff and it it holds you back from doing what you want to do and and uh now uh, you know i just feel that there's no limitations except my own how do you overcome that fear though I would say overcoming the fear, the first place to start a good place is uh, I had to really embrace silence. Mm -hmm. So I cut out like the distractions too, like for a long time and really, really guarded my mind and guarded um, the input Mm -hmm. that was coming in from other people, from um, social media. Uh, That's a good place to start because when you, when you, when you're in silence and then I feel like that's when you have the closest connection to God, you know, to the source where you could really get the messages, you could get the information. Right. And, and really feel it in your spirit. Um, and then after that is just faith. You know what I mean? It's like really that belief in the, in the unseen, you know, and that, cause that, that's, that's reality. That's what I want to get people to see. Like that's what creator life experience is about developing the imagination, you know, and so many people, you know, they, they base all their decisions and future decisions based on what they can see, like in the physical. So they say, oh, well, I'll never get this because I don't have this right now. Right. And um, with, if we start looking at imagination uh, and and creativity, to me, that's that's in the mind. That's faith. It's like the it's like it's the uh, it's how you exercise your faith, because if you can't see it and really believe it in your mind, like you'll never have it in your hand. So it's like developing that belief to where you can envision a picture in your mind and um, and and really believe it, like really like see it clearly in your mind and, 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 and believe it enough to act on it. And and then it happens in reality. And my last question for you is, how do you stay humble? Like, I mean, there's so much. I mean, you kind of just answered that question. But like, as you continue to grow in this entertainment industry, sometimes people let the, let it get to you. Mm-hmm. How do you continue to stay humble? I've known you for a long time. You're my sister's, you know, mm-hmm. um, husband. So how do you I know you're humble, but how do you continue to do stay that way? Um, It's it's not about me. I don't look at myself as um, uh, I'm Ali Gabriel. i a singer or whatever because it's not about that like i think the thing that helps me stay humble is understanding that um this platform that i'm given is is for a reason it's a mission 
mm-hmm. that that I have to uh, accomplish and um, or not accomplish that I'm here to do. Um, I don't know if it will ever be something that where you stick a flag in the ground and say, oh, I'm done. I did it. You know what I mean? So I think that that's part of it, too, of, of not not tying myself to things that are not real mm. and understanding that at the end of the day, like I'm on this earth for a short time, just like everybody else. And then after this, who knows? Right. And, right. and so I just, that keeps it in perspective for me that it's, it's not about any, whatever things I'll gain on this earth. That's cool. That's not bad to have, you know, I'd rather have money than not have money. Right. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, um, you know, only up to a certain cost. It's not like I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, trade in money for everything. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't see that as being the um, um, the end all be all. So that's how I stay humble. Nice. So as you're on your cre- on your creator life experience, where do you see yourself ten years from now? Ten years from now, uh, the end goal for me is to. Uh, one day I want to build like schools, academies. So uh, the goal is to have these academies or these schools that focus on entrepreneurship and also uh, self-awareness and um, entrepreneurship because I think that uh, especially in this new society uh, and especially for uh, disadvantaged peoples, I think uh, self sufficiency is uh is really important and being able to just change the dynamic of what's possible so so my goal 10 years from now is to really if i can help i'll just put a a billion people like change their idea of what's possible um that that that's what i want to do so um definitely i'll be best-selling author i'll have some some albums out and and uh, just really be my life at 10 years from now, I think it's going to be all about impact and education. And, and I see myself really just doing that 10 years from now. If you had a few words of advice to give to anyone who's listening who think they may have a mu- musical talent or can sing and dance and what have you, what would that words be? My words of advice for anyone considering um, the music industry as a uh, as a career uh, or anything, I guess, for that uh, matter, is that make sure you take the time to really clearly envision um, what that looks like, like define success for yourself. So, you know, decide if is it important for you to have billboards all over with your face on it or is it just important for you or you know to make an extra 30 grand a year making music um you know define success for yourself and also um define yourself for yourself because in the music industry it's one of the most in the entertainment in general it's one of the most uh emotionally challenging industries that anyone can be in because so much of it is uh based on gatekeepers and validations and um so if you're not really a hundred percent solid with who you are and know exactly where you want to go then you're gonna have a hard time because it'll be real easy to get lost and let other people 
sway you in one way or the other. So just really going in, know who you are, um, and and believe in yourself. And you know, I feel like if you define success for yourself, then you're gonna you're gonna be successful. And just to add to something that you said earlier, when you said talked about giving speeches. Uh, I am a fellow Toastmaster (laughs) also, and Ali Gabriel, he won his first place in the Toastmasters International Speech Contest recently with his speech, The Magic in Your Tongue. And like I said, um, in between breaks, we can talk about you all day over here. But my engineer is looking at me, and unfortunately, we're going to have to end today's um conversation but what is your website where can people find you so you guys can find me uh com, and uh, also at ollie gabriel um and it's ollie uh, o-l-l-i-e gabriel um and you can find me at at ollie gabriel facebook twitter and instagram as well thank you so much thank you for having me so much yeah thank you Thank you. <laughs> right. This this has been, this has truly been, been a treasure right here. Thank you to my conversation piece guest, Ali Gabriel. Like he said, go to AliGabriel.com to hear his music, to learn about awakening your creative genius, to read his story and follow his journey. Go to AliGabriel.com. He most definitely is more than a musician. Remember when it was cool to walk in golden And we're too young, too young to remember Let the music play and soul dance Living in a world so fast Not a lot of things that last Thank you to Leslie Radford, Adam Rice, Tucker, Nicole Johnson, Michael Washington of M Watch Soul for my opening and closing theme song, my special guest host, my sister Heather Coleman, and always you, our RGLA family. You can reach us on Radio Justice Facebook. Give us some love, give us some likes as you listen to us worldwide anytime on RadioJustice.com. O-R-G. I'm Angela Birdsong. Once again, thank you for allowing me to share this very special experience, a conversation piece on Radio Justice LA Morning Wake Up Call with you. Remember to be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be brave, be courageous, and let all that you do be done with love.